are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. And if you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so through Venmo by sending a tip to Mystical City of God. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you've sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 323, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 392 to 402. Chapter 2. The glorious martyrdom of St. James. The Most Blessed Mary assists him and bears his soul to heaven. His body is brought to Spain. The imprisonment of St. Peter and his liberation from prison. The mysteries connected with these events. 392. Our great apostle St. James came to Jerusalem at a time when that whole city was very much incensed against the disciples and followers of Christ our Lord. This new fury the demons had secretly roused by stirring up the zeal of the Jews for the old law and their jealousy against the new evangelical law. The immediate cause of these movements was the preaching of St. Paul, who, although he remained not more than 15 days in Jerusalem, nevertheless in that short time by the divine power, had converted many and excited the wonder and admiration of all the people. Although the unbelieving Jews felt relieved somewhat by the news of thus having left Jerusalem, yet they were again thrown into consternation by the speedy arrival of St. James, who showed no less zeal and heavenly wisdom in proclaiming the name of Christ our Redeemer. Lucifer, who was not ignorant of his coming, availed himself of it as a new means of exciting the spleen and rousing the wrath of the high priests, priests and scribes. St. James began to preach most fervently the name of the crucified, his mysterious death and resurrection. In the first few days, he converted to the faith some of the Jews, among whom were especially Hermogenes and Philetus, both of them magicians and sorcerers who had made a pact with the devil. Hermogenes was deeply versed in magic, and Philetus was his disciple. The Jews wanted to engage the services of these two in order to either overcome St. James in dispute, or if that was impossible, to take away his life by their magic arts. 393. This wickedness the devils had intended to execute through the instrumentality of the unbelieving Jews, for they themselves could not come near St. James on account of the terrors of the divine grace emanating from the apostle. Philetus first began the dispute with St. James so that, if he should gain no advantage, Hermogenes, as the more skillful master in the magic art, 
might enter the combat. Philetus brought forth a sophistical and false arguments, but the holy apostle spoke with such wisdom and force that all his sophism yielded as the darkness before the light. Philetus was overcome and converted to the truth of Christ, becoming from that time on a defender of the apostle and his doctrine. But fearing the diabolical arts of his master Hermogenes, he sought the protection of St. James. The holy apostle gave him a piece of cloth or linen which he had received from Mary, and with this relic Philetus protected himself against the power of Hermogenes for some days, until the latter himself entered the dispute. 394. Although Hermogenes feared St. James, he could not evade the meeting because he had pledged himself to the Jews to enter the discussion and convince St. James. Accordingly, he tried to enforce his errors by more cogent arguments than his disciple, but all that he could do was unavailing against the heavenly force and wisdom of the apostle, which was like an impetuous torrent. He brought Hermogenes to silence and obliged him to confess his belief in the mysteries of the faith of Christ, just as he had done with Philetus. Both of them accepted the faith and doctrine preached by the apostle. The demons were roused to fury against Hermogenes, and through the power they had acquired over him began to maltreat him on account of his conversion. As he learned how Philetus had defended himself by the relic obtained from the apostle, he sought a like favor against his enemies. St. James gave him the scarf he had used in his travels, and with it, Hermogenes put to flight the demons and made them powerless to approach or afflict him further. 395. These conversions and others made by St. James in Jerusalem were hastened by the tearful sighs and prayers of the great queen in her retreat at Ephesus, where, as I often said, she knew by vision all that was done by the apostles and the other faithful of the church, and particularly what happened with the beloved apostle James, for whom she was especially solicitous as being so near his martyrdom. Hermogenes and Philetus persevered for some time in the faith of Christ, but afterwards they fell away and lost it in Asia, as is evident from the second epistle to Timothy, where St. Paul says that Phygelus, or Philetus, and Hermogenes had left him. Although the seed of the faith had sprung up in the hearts of these men, it took no sufficient root to resist the temptations of the demon whom they had served and familiarly entertained for so long a time. The evil and perverse inclinations of their vices still remain and again prevailed, withdrawing from them the faith they had accepted. 396. When the Jews, through the conviction and conversion of Philetus and Hermogenes, saw their hopes frustrated, they were filled with new anger against the apostle St. James, and they determined to put an end to his life. For this purpose, they bribed Democritus and Lysias, centurions of the Roman militia, to furnish them with soldiers for the arrest of the apostle. In order to hide their treachery, they were to raise a feigned quarrel or disturbance on a certain day during his preaching, and thus get him within their power. The execution of this wicked design was left to Abiator, the high priest of that year, and to Josias, a scribe of the same mind as the high priest. As they had planned, so they executed their scheme. For while the saint was preaching to the people about the mystery of the redemption, proving it to them with admirable wisdom from the testimonies of the ancient writings, and moving the audience to tears of compunction, the priest and the scribe were roused to diabolical fury, giving the signal to the Roman soldiers, the priest sent Josias, to throw a rope around the neck of St. James and fell upon him, proclaiming him a disturber of the people and the author of a new religion in opposition to the Roman Empire. 397. 
Democritus and Lysias thereupon rushed up with their soldiers and brought the apostle bound to Herod, the son of Archelaus, whose malice had been roused interiorly through the astuteness of Lucifer and exteriorly by the evil-minded and hateful Jews. Thus doubly incited, Herod began against the disciples of the Lord, whom he had abhorred. The persecution mentioned by St. Luke in the twelfth chapter of the Acts and sent his soldiers to afflict and imprison them. He instantly commanded St. James to be beheaded, as the Jews had asked. Incredible was the joy of the holy apostle at being seized and bound like his master, and at seeing himself conducted to the place where he was to pass from this mortal life to the eternal through martyrdom, as he had been informed by the Queen of Heaven. He offered most humble thanks for this benefit, and publicly reiterated the open profession of his faith in Christ our Lord. Remembering the petition he had made in Ephesus, that she be present at his death, he called upon her from his inmost soul. 398. The Most Holy Mary, from her oratory, heard these prayers of her beloved apostle and cousin, for she was attentive to all that happened to him, and she helped and favored him with her own efficacious petitions. During this, her prayer, she saw a great multitude of angels and heavenly spirits of all hierarchies descending from heaven, part of them surrounding the apostle in Jerusalem, as he was led to the place of execution, while numerous others approached their queen at Ephesus. Presently, one of them addressed her, saying, Empress of heaven and Our Lady, the Most High Lord and God bids you immediately to hasten to Jerusalem to console his great servant James, to assist him in his death, and to grant all his loving and holy desires." This favor the Most Blessed Mary joyfully and gratefully acknowledged. She praised the Most High for the protection granted to those who trust in his mercy and put their lives in his hands. In the meanwhile, the apostle was led to execution, and on the way thereto he wrought great miracles upon the sick and ailing on some possessed by the demons. There were a great number of them, because the rumor of his execution by Herod had spread about and many of the unfortunate hastened to receive his last ministrations and counsels. All that applied were healed by the great apostle. 399. In the meanwhile, the holy angels placed their queen and mistress upon a most refulgent throne, as they had done on other occasions, and on it bore her to Jerusalem, and to the place of the execution of St. James. The holy apostle fell upon his knees in order to offer his life to the Most High in sacrifice, and when he raised his eyes toward heaven, he saw in the air near him the Queen of Heaven, whom he had been invoking in his heart. He beheld her clothed in divine splendors and great beauty, surrounded by multitudes of the angels. At this heavenly spectacle, the soul of James was moved to a new jubilee, and his heart was seized with the ardors of a divine love. He wished to proclaim the Most Blessed Mary as the Mother of God and the Mistress of all creation. But one of the sovereign spirits restrained him in all fervent desire and said, James! servant of our Creator. Restrain within thy own bosom these precious sentiments, and do not manifest to the Jews the presence and assistance of our Queen, for they are not worthy or capable of knowing her. But instead of reverencing her, will only harden themselves in their hatred. Thus advised, the apostles forbore, and moving his lips in silence, he spoke to the heavenly Queen. 400. Mother of my Lord Jesus Christ, my mistress and protectress, thou consolation of the afflicted and refuge of the needy, in this hour bestow upon me, my lady, thy so much desired blessing. Offer for me to thy Son and Redeemer of the world the sacrifice of my life, since I am burning with desire to be a holocaust for the glory of his name. Let today thy most pure and spotless hands be the altar of my sacrifice, 
in order that it may become acceptable in the eyes of him who died for me upon the cross. Into thy hands and through them, into thy hands of my Creator, I commend my spirit. Having said these words and keeping his eyes fixed upon the Most Holy Mary, who spoke to his heart, the Holy Apostle was beheaded by the executioner. The Great Lady and the Queen of the World, a wonderful condescension, received the soul of her beloved Apostle and, placing it at her side on the throne, ascended with it to the Empyrean heavens and presented it to her Divine Son. As the Most Blessed Mary entered the heavenly court with this offering, she caused new joy and accidental glory to all the heavenly inhabitants and was received with songs of praise. The Most High received the soul of James and placed it in eminent glory among the princes of his people. The Most Blessed Mary, prostrate before the throne of the Almighty, composed a song of praise and thanksgiving for the triumphal martyrdom first gained by one of his apostles. On this occasion, the Great Lady did not see the divinity by intuitive vision, but by an abstractive one, such as I have described before this. But the Blessed Trinity filled her with new blessings and favors for herself and for the Holy Church, for which she had made great preparations. All the saints likewise blessed her, and then the holy angels brought her back to her oratory in Ephesus, where, in the meanwhile, an angel had impersonated her. On arriving, the Heavenly Mother of Virtues prostrated herself, as usual, in order to give thanks to the Most High for all that had happened. 401. The disciples of St. James during the following night secured the sacred body and secretly brought it to Jaffa, where, by divine disposition, they embarked with it for Galicia in Spain. The Heavenly Lady sent an angel to guide and accompany them to the port, where, according to the divine will, they were to disembark. Although they did not see the angel, they felt his protection under the whole voyage, and often in a miraculous manner. Thus, Spain, just as it owed its first instruction to the faith so deeply rooted in the hearts of its people, to the protection lavished by Most Holy Mary upon the Apostle, now also owes to her the possession of his sacred body for its consolation and defense. St. James died in the year 41 of our Lord on the 25th of March, five years and seven months after his setting out to preach in Spain. According to this count, and that which I gave above, the martyrdom of St. James happened seven full years after the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 4.02 That his martyrdom was at the end of March is clear from the 12th chapter of the Acts, where St. Luke says that because of the rejoicings of the Jews in the death of St. James, Herod imprisoned also St. Peter with the intention of beheading him after the feast of the Pasch, which was that of the Paschal Lamb or of unleavened bread. This is the Jew celebrated on the 14th of the moon of March. From the passage, it appears that the seizure of St. Peter was during this past or very near it, that the death of James had preceded it a few days. The 14th of the moon of March in the year 41, according to our present computation of the years and months, occurred in the last days of March. Accordingly, the death of St. James happened on the 25th, before the 14th of the moon, and soon thereupon took place the imprisonment of Peter and the Pasch of the Jews. The Holy Church does not celebrate the Feast of St. James on the day of his death, because it falls on the same day as the Incarnation, and ordinarily also in the time of the Lord's Passion. It was therefore transferred to the 25th of July, which is the day on which the body of the Apostle was brought to Spain. This concludes our reading today for day number 323. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 392 to 402. Well, one of the things we heard in our reading today really was a lot of names. And so that allows us to historically situate what Maria of Agreda is writing. And in a sense, it allows us to validate what she says, all of the names of the different rulers 
and who was high priest in that year. All of that, you know, we can validate. We could, if we want, go and search uh, that information. I also uh, found the conversion of those two magicians to be very interesting. And then to see the efficacy of the relics, that they give the relics to them and they experience protection. So how blessed a person is if they have a relic and they have it in their home. It means that you are protected. It also said in our reading today that St. James's martyrdom is in the Acts of the Apostles. I guess maybe I am biblically ignorant, but I guess I never recalled hearing that. So now that has me curious, and afterwards I'm going to open up my Bible and see if I can find it. And just to go back to the magicians and their conversion, how interesting it is that we have this story and I think it must be one of those legends of the people, especially of Spain, one that they enjoy telling since St. James is their patron. And now, Maria of Agreda is able to communicate that story of their conversion to us. For St. James to gain those converts would be today for a bishop or a preacher to gain the conversion maybe of an abortion doctor or maybe somebody in the pornography industry. Those are just a few of the things that, that came to mind when I thought about, well, what would that state of conversion look like today? And then finally, we heard that Our Lady takes St. James up into the Empyrean heavens and presents it to her son, Jesus. And what that means then is that Our Lady, who already saw heaven once, sees heaven again, sees her son again. So there are these little glimpses of the anticipated glory that she's going to experience when she finally is assumed body and soul into heaven. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.